0: Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and today my conversation is with Adam McKennon. He's the host of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. He's a contributing writer for Baseball Almanac and Call to the Pen. And he has a book that's available for pre-order, Baseball for Kids, A Young Fan's Guide to the History of the Game. Adam was so much fun to talk to. We sat down on a Friday night. Um, maybe each of us had a beer, however it goes, and we just enjoyed ourselves. We just had a nice conversation about baseball, his story, writing about baseball just the whole thing and and how he got started and it's a really really enjoyable one so i hope you guys enjoy this conversation with adam yes. Killer. All right. Very cool. Today, special guest, Adam McKennon, host of the Romantic About Baseball podcast, contributing writer for Baseball Almanac and Call to the Pen. And I, I even put in my notes, I put a big ha next to it because it's a pretty cute way of, you know, you're a writer, pen, yes. bullpen. I thought that was kind of cute. <laughs> Member of the Internet Baseball Writers Association of America. Real curious about that. And recently, his book is now ready for pre-order, Baseball for Kids, A Young Fan's Guide to the history of the game. Adam, appreciate you hanging out with me tonight, man.
1: I'm very excited. I'm glad to be here.
0: It should be a little bit of fun. I think we're we're, we're, <laughs> we're both have microphones. So that means we've done this once or twice. So I'm yes. pretty excited about it. But Adam, my first question to everybody on For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much?
1: Man, that's a, ooh, that's a great question. You know, I, I think because it lives in two worlds. It lives in the objective and the subjective. Uh, For me, that's always been the most fascinating part, most especially about baseball, is that, you know, on one hand, there's hard numbers, there's hard facts, right? Um, I'm not going to compare, say, like, you know, Nick Marquegis to, uh, you know, uh, Roberto Clemente. But yet, you know, that's objectively true. But then when you, like, when you blend the two together, well, if Marquegis gets 3,000 hits, it's, you know, it's, not the same, but it's you know. So I love the idea that it lives in the objective and the subjective world in its own right. So mm-hmm. I think that's really what's drawn me to sports, you know. And you could you could copy and paste it into other sports, you know. Um, why Barry Sanders was so was so phenomenal on the field, and and how does he compare to Marcus Allen? And then you look, you know, you go to hockey, and it, it, there's so many different avenues that you can compare and contrast and live in both worlds
0: Mm -hmm. and i always like that there's no right answer to those arguments right right? like you can't ever find out yeah we can play ea sports whatever whatever and you know have fun with it but we'll never know like you can never ever find out who's better in their prime or when it so it's kind of i mean it's it's in a literal endless like loop of no i'm right no i'm right no you're wrong no you're wrong and we all can have a great time doing it it's pretty funny
1: Absolutely no, it's it's one of those things. Like you know, it's it's great to have that endless loop, but it's yet it's always progressing mm-hmm. too. You know, as we look further and further back, you know, we're debating. You know, the the merits of, you know, different players in different eras. It's fascinating. To me.
0: It is. It is always so much fun. And baseball is the one we can really do it the most with, in my opinion, only because I mean, yeah. I, whenever the heck the game started and, and with all the, the statistics that have been held, obviously we have eras, which is, which is always interesting to compare those as mm-hmm. well, but it is, is my favorite. It is my favorite. And my, my next question to you, Adam is, uh, when did you fall in love with baseball?
1: Oh man, I fell in love with baseball. I just reconfirmed this with my dad. It was 1992, Nope. yeah, 1993. It was 1993, uh, Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia. I had grown up a Braves fan. I was born in Atlanta. And my siblings were all born in different places. I have four siblings and we were all born in, in different places pretty much, you know. And so, but I was the only one born in Atlanta. So, that's what I mm-hmm. had in the and the Braves, uh, you know, I'm a uh, older millennial, so I grew up with the Braves being in their prime, you know, Chipper Jones, Javi Lopez, Andrew Jones, you know, and all those great – and, of course, the big three, uh, you know, the great teams, the great uh, Braves teams of that era. And so I fell in love with it the first time I went to a game, and that was in – we were living in uh, just uh, outside of Philadelphia in Delaware, and we went to a game, and – it was a. Uh, it was the first round of the playoffs in 1993. The Braves lost, but there was. But the fact. But I still left the stadium feeling like I had just seen something. I would like in my kid mind. I, I would never see this again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, this was this was amazing, and I'll never get to see this again. This was such a privilege, and I just remember thinking like that was so cool. And that's where that's where really probably my defining moment.
0: That is awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, especially. what, So was that? uh, Just correct me. Was that your first game you ever went to?
1: My first game I ever went to. Yeah, and it it was. was spoiled.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, I was
1: spoiled. From what from what we can tell, my dad and I are kind of piecing it together a little bit. But from what I believe, I distinctly remember it was either ninety two or ninety three because I, David Justice was on the team and I just, I have this like single photographic memory of David Justice rounding third as the ball was caught and the inning ended. And I just, it, it, so that's the only like, that's the photographic memory I can draw. I can tell you where I was sitting. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what the, what happened. I know the Braves lost. So somewhere in that range, mm-hmm. but I couldn't tell you exactly when.
0: That is awesome. And honestly, I'm just happy that you made it out alive. Uh, going to Philadelphia mm-hmm. as a uh, as a visiting fan. I've done that once or twice, and I've almost died. So I will never ever that's, do that that's again.
1: That's another podcast for another time. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well,
0: honestly, on this show, I rip Philadelphia all the time. I live super close. I'm there all the time, too. So hopefully no one knows what my face looks like. But
1: uh, uh, Hey, man, it's it's cool. You know, it's funny. All of my, you know, I grew up in Philadelphia pretty mm-hmm. much. But I've always been a Braves fan my whole life. So I had to I had to sit through 2008. I had to sit through all of those good teams because I was that was like you know 2008 is like I'm 22. It's you know I I'm able to kind of you know mm-hmm. really get into the game and stuff and yeah that was it was they they did not take it easy on me.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I mean I guess. It's just, I've never been anywhere else on planet Earth where if you just wear an opposing team's jersey, they will yell and scream at you. I've, I've been in New York City all the time, and you see people oh, yeah. wearing Boston, you know, Red Sox stuff, and it's always just like, that guy's got some balls. And like, that's, that's the yeah. extent of it. You go to Philadelphia, I literally went to, not even Philly, I was down at the beach, just like kind of close to Philadelphia, and yeah. I had jersey a giant... Or- yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a Giants jersey on or a Giants shirt on, and people were literally. We were just sitting outside at a bar. People are just screaming at me. We're like, dude, it's it's baseball season. Like, calm yes. down. That's just that's just Philadelphia. I respect them, but I also hate every single one of them. So I guess that's well,
1: like like go. like so many things in my life, though I, I have to put this caveat in. It, like so many things in my life, there's a great duality to it because. Uh-oh. Um. I, I also. As much as I hate the the the, as I despise the Phillies fandom and all that stuff, man, I'm a I'm an Eagles fan. Oh goodness, and that's That's even worse. And you know what's it's it's interesting though because here here's my theory on it. What has drawn me to the Eagles was that Philly is a a blue collar city. It's a blue collar town. It's a make your make your bread type of place, right? Because I lived in both areas. I lived in Miami where it's like you better have your bread when you get there. And I've lived in Philly where like that's where you, you ain't got no bread. You got to make it, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, um, the the Phillies, I remember buying tickets and being able to walk straight down to the press box and heckle Jimmy Rollins at eye level because no one cared. I could walk straight in. And then 2000, you know, 2000, mm-hmm. you know 7, 8, 9, oh my God, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're like, you know, they're selling out. They're the most consecutive sellouts, you know, in, in baseball history if I'm not mistaken. Mistaken. There was there was a record at some point. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that always drove me crazy. But with the Eagles, it didn't matter if they were one in 15 or 15 and one people showed up to the games. And I always kind of respected that sort of tenacity and mm-hmm. that sort of dedication to the team. And, and to me, the the Phillies and Flyers have always kind of really embodied that sort of blue-collar nastiness that that this that Philly does bring. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I I feel like I I adopted the Eagles uh you know when my and uh I had no problem with it. I was a Falcons fan growing up but but I adopted the Eagles when my wife and I got married and um I had no problem with it.
0: Mm. Well, I appreciate the story but I'm not I I'm not buying it man. yeah, it. yeah I, I, I
1: I don't blame it I, can't. I don't blame I'm you. sorry.
0: Hey, it is what it is. Again, I respect um and i hate every single one of them so we're
1: awful we're awful it's terrible cool. terrible it's cool. human,
0: beings. I, terrible human beings I will own
1: that i will own that all day and so sip far that. i'm thoroughly
0: enjoying our conversation you're drinking a yingling you got a brace hat on is that a yards t-shirt you're wrapping. no
1: this is uh, um this is a uh, i'm a big lord of the rings fan oh. so it's more more door fun run uh t-shirt. oh that's
0: it's, fantastic
1: yeah my my sister is my sister is also an enthusiast so we uh,
0: i like that a lot get that's, to be all the
1: memorabilia <laughs> hell
0: yeah do a fun run that is pretty funny uh good stuff dude so that's when you fell in love but when did you know that you were gonna marry baseball like when was it you're just like i'm gonna put a ring on it we're gonna do this
1: you know 2015 world series 2015 world series that was that was my defining moment. That was that in terms of me really, really, really getting into baseball. Like I'd always been into it. I'd always really loved it, but watching the Royals coming back from 2014, right? Game seven, 90 feet away. I still, I believe that Gordon could have made it.
0: So do I. I was like, why aren't you running? Bumgarner is not going to let up another hit. Just go see what happens.
1: What are you waiting on? Uh, Yep. So, so I—that was probably the moment where I said, "Yes, this is this is too perfect." And it was, it was that series with with Kane going from you know, and it was the it was the ALCS leading up to it, and that was the it was the ALDS, the ball game. It was off the correct. wild card game
0: too. Remember, right. they were down, I think, to the Blue Jays.
1: I can't remember. Yeah, like
0: they should have lost that game. It was the Athletics. Was oh, Oakland okay. And thank the- you, thank you, thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was the I think it was the Athletics. Was that twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen? Whichever one it was. Yeah. It was it was the 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 sort of baseball that was so absent from the game at the time. And it was so there was there was a and for lack of a better term, it like, you know, uh, bust out the cheese balls, but there was something romantic about it. There wasn't there was, it wasn't the colossal three run home run to, to knock him over the top. It was single, single, stolen double, base. Stolen Lucas Bates. Duda era,
0: Daniel Murphy error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I remember it was all of just
1: it. the mad dash. It was just all of these moments sort of, and I thought to myself while I was doing it, I was like, this is a, this is a story. Like this is, this is amazing. Like I'm going to tell my kids, my eventually my, my daughter who you hear in the background uh, while my wife's trying to give her a bath and get her ready for bed. um, I'm going to tell her about this series. And then that's where I really, that's where I married baseball. Mm -hmm.
0: I respect that. Yeah. If I, uh, if I wasn't, uh, just completely emotionally invested in that series um i would have liked it a lot more right yeah i would have liked it a lot more again i I like
1: forget what team i almost forget what team it is
0: yeah because
1: that series was so for a five game series Mm -hmm. that series was was awesome and i don't care you know, I and I and I could definitely relate to being a Mets fan. Yeah, and will not relate, but I could I could understand being emotionally invested. But but man, what a great series!
0: It it really was. I mean, there's very rarely a five game series where you can make a very legitimate argument that it could have been five games the other way. I mean, the Mets are the first team to ever blow Correct. three saves in a World Series before. Like that's never happened, and they right. all came after the seventh or the eighth inning, if I'm not mistaken. Like it is, mm-hmm. it's insane just how how nuts that whole series was. It's never supposed to happen like that, right? Like that's not right. supposed to happen. And and it's, it's always funny because I look at it and it's just like, yeah, four to one, you know, they celebrated on our field. But I remember I watched just about every single pitch and the whole time I was like, I think the Mets are going to win. Yep. And then at the end they don't. And it's just like, it is crazy. And again, if I wasn't such a diehard live and die Mets fan, I would love that series so much more, especially as you said, it's the story. They come back they lose the world series before the the year before game seven runner on, you know, the whole thing. And then I was just like knowing, like I thought the Mets were the team of destiny that year. But once I kept seeing the Royals win, I was like, there's only one team we can lose to no questions. asked. one team we can lose. to. We would have crushed the Astros because the Mets had a strikeout pitching staff. And all they did was strike out batch back then. Same thing with the blue Jays. Like it was an absolute joke. I knew the only team the Mets were going to lose to were the Royals. And once they got there, I was just like, son of a bitch, this is, this is going to end badly. And, it did. Well,
1: that whole postseason was so was so great too because that was also, you know, um, the Blue Jays come back and that mm-hmm. wild seventh yep. inning. The Jose
0: Bautista just rocking the baseball oh, bat. Oh, like, that dude.
1: that whole postseason is is probably my 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 um, my marriage was the 2015 postseason. The honeymoon was the World
0: season. There you go. I like that. Yeah, and Daniel Murphy, he had all those home runs. Clayton Kershaw yep. and Zach Granke couldn't beat Michael Conforto. Like, it was just the weirdest <laughs> thing going on. And when the Mets just kept winning, I was just completely dumbfounded. But it is what it is. That's a good one, man. I'm glad you put the ring on it then. Um, I think that is absolutely fantastic. So one thing, I, I spoke about it a little bit before. You are a contributor. You do, you do right about baseball so when yes. so 2015 is when you finally got married when did you or at least propose and the honeymoon and all that when did you start writing love letters to baseball to let it know how much you know hey we're still in this i still i still want to do this thing
1: yeah um 2015 that was my yeah. first article that was when i started romantic about baseball uh my first article that i wrote or my first piece rather i guess i don't know what you call it but my first piece was a, uh, was when Pete Rose uh, was at the all star game that year, the all star game was in Cincinnati, and they and the big push to get him in and for some reason, that triggered I need to write about this because i I'm a staunch opponent of him going in. so and that was where it started. And then from there, I just you know, I was the guy who everyone paid. Uh, to write their term papers in college. <laughs> nice. And so I uh, so I was one of those guys that like I always liked to write. But when I did that, that was when I sort of oh okay, this is this is cool. Like I like doing this. And that's and that's what ultimately started it.
0: That's awesome, man. And like what that's and then and I mean 5 years later you're writing books about it and everything. Like that's a pretty big jump. What, um, what was it? I mean, obviously, so it sounds like you enjoyed writing a little bit. What was it to just rather than turn this into a hobby, turn this into something you can actually start making money from?
1: So it was probably 20, it was 2018 and my webs, my, my little dinky website had probably, you know, I think my all time traffic record was like 200 sites views in a year. And oh. so it wasn't anything though. you were gonna.
0: I, yeah. yeah, I thought you were gonna say article. I was like, that's
1: not bad. Like no. just rocking and rolling. But okay, all right. No, so so like in a year, I had I had not. You know, it, it was just something for me, and it was and it was cool. But I had no knowledge of this. I was immersed in my day job. It was just. It is what it is, right? So then, you know, it was. Um, it was Penguin Penguin Publishing or someone. Somehow I ended up on this uh, list of baseball blogs, and you know uh, they they sent me an advance copy of Pete Rose's second book, and so they let me do a review on it. And I was like, oh okay, the book was awful, but the uh, but the it garnered it started traffic started to pick up a little bit, and I was like, oh okay, so what do I do now? So um, you know I literally started just messaging people on Twitter. Like, will you read my stuff? Will you read my stuff? Will you read my stuff? And uh, from there, that's when um, I got in touch with Jim Passon Jr., who uh, that's where that's where it really took off, you know, because Jim has a much bigger and much larger following him, And from there, uh, that's that's where we ended up. So so that's here awesome, we are man. now. <laughs> so it
0: kind of it pretty much just started as like a little creative, like hey, I like baseball and I want to put my thoughts on a piece of paper about it. And now it's you know turned into something pretty legitimate because it's it's really funny. Anytime someone brings up Jim Passon, it's like you know Jeff Passon? Like no way. Yeah. Like, no 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 wrong. <laughs> different last name it's kind of the same but other than that this but, is an like,
1: ongoing but, saga on the show like we publicly we're in a every almost every episode for the last two or three weeks we publicly invite jeff passing on the show <laughs> to have a passing off <laughs> but um but it uh he has not yet he, he keeps ducking us which I, I think yeah. it's a little rude jim if you you know jeff if you hear this like come on i'll add him that's Step easy up.
0: i'll definitely add him yeah. i know he's 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 a little busy now i know he started uh doing some some baseball stuff um oh in the, yeah in like I mean, like the podcast he started doing like a daily show i think on kind of what's going on right. with the coronavirus and all that stuff but um yeah let's let's add him and let's let's get him on the show i think that'll be a blast
1: i i, I mean i don't see any other reason not to what, like, what would like
0: a, what would a passing off olympics look
1: like i i man i gotta design that like i that think seems, so that's if you're like, like
0: real specific about it you're just like jeff you got to come on you and jim you're gonna it's, it's gonna be like a four you know you each have to write an article in under like 20 minutes like you right. have to do you know that kind of stuff
1: so, so what it is you know here's what it is jeff knows everyone jim knows everything he'll hate me for saying that but it's but you know so you, you merge the two together you get the super passing that's really what we're going for here we're getting we're getting we're going for the pass, the super passing
0: the super passing it's like goku getting like level nine thousand or something oh yeah man
1: like like the world will not know what's coming
0: the world won't exist after that (laughs)
1: no may not anyway but who cares that
0: is awesome man so i mean i'm assuming back in 2015 again when you started just doing this kind of as a creative like little fun thing to do you did not expect this to kind of become what it is right even in 2018 when you just started oh no
1: No chance, dude. I I was, I was grateful with an article got five views. I was on top of the world. Like it was just like, look at, look at how popular I am, you know? And, Uh and so, yeah, I had no vision that this was going to go as far. I mean, you always hope, right? Of course. You know, like you always hope and you can say like, we, you know, we can be humble, right? And just say like, no, I'm just, you know, just doing my thing. It's like, no, I mean, no nobody does this because they don't want people to listen and mm-hmm. they don't want people to read, right? But but um but I am every single click, every single eyeball that looks is is fascinating and that's not my wife, my mom, my my siblings is fascinating to me I love it it is
0: I mean I'm, I'm very upfront and honest if I could do one thing for the rest of my life it's good to have conversations with guys like you about your story and how you did what you <laughs> did like I will I will if I could get paid just enough money to pay my bills and have to get to do this 25 hours a day eight days a week I'd be the happiest person on planet so yeah, if anyone man. out there is listening and just wants to give me like i don't know i could probably get by on like 30 grand a year if i like kind of scrunch down and like make sure my girlfriend's got a pretty solid job so we're good yeah there. um happen, dude. yeah shoot why not right we'll see what happens we'll see what happens i'm having um i'm having gym on tomorrow so that that should yeah. work i won't do you guys back to back just because we'll give we'll give you a little bit of time to separate but uh you guys spend oh, so much we're... time together i don't need to put you back to back yeah man list, yeah but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh no man and i guess so when did you start the podcast
1: That was, so I did, I did a couple episodes by myself, like little 20 minute spots in, uh, 2018 and, um, you know, as per usual, no traction was a thing that I did. Right. And, uh, it was September, late September when Jim signed on and, um, I guess you could say signed on when he joined in. And from there, it's been virtually every Thursday since, uh, since then, Mm -hmm
0: that is awesome man yeah having that nice schedule and getting it in um, and i know one thing you specifically with your writing and i'm not going to sit here and lie and say i've read every article you've ever done but i know you definitely you you kind of look into the research side a little bit more and the number side correct
1: correct um, you know what i try to tell do me, tell is me I, if
0: i'm wrong though tell me if no, i'm No wrong. no it's no no
1: okay. you you're correct in the sense of like my goal and my mission with every article and I, and I'm, you know the data job, my day job's, you know, pretty consuming. So, I, I don't get as much time as I'd like to write, but I understand my limitations. I'm not going to write with the thoroughness of, of Dan Symborski. I'm not going to be able to write articles like uh, Grant Bisbee or anybody else, you know. I'm going to try, what I try to do is I try to take a narrative position that's not necessarily uh, super, you know, it's not open and shut, right? Um mm-hmm. I like to take positions that are arguable or at least feasible, but not like contrarian.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I try to back them up. Like, uh, you know, I did an article with, uh, for a Baseball Almanac uh, on Louis Tian uh, and, and his Hall of Fame case. Do, do I really, like, gun to my head, do I think Louis Tion's a Hall of Famer? Probably not but there's enough there that if i take a you can take enough surface level research and blend it with an interesting enough narrative that even if it's not the most rock solid case it's the fact that we're talking about it and we're having mm-hmm. a legit conversation it is the that's my that's what i like to do mm-hmm. so the research is really to back up the narrative more so than the narrative backing up the research mm-hmm.
0: That's interesting, and I mean, again, that's the I guess the coolest part about baseball, right? like you can right. there's there's enough statistics that you can pretty much make anyone anything at this point, but at least you're not you're not doing it to be like Stephen A and just argue to argue there's right it's it is arguable, and you can find you know Larry Walker. I thought yeah. he was a Hall of Famer, but it was obviously arguable if it took the guy ten years to get into the Hall of Fame. So, like, kind of understanding. And it was funny, you know, we had Bailey on, as I said before, and that he <laughs> he had that video. And I guess a lot I, I'm of the guys –
1: sure that he had thoughts on Larry Walker. <laughs> he did.
0: He he absolutely did. So that was fun. Um, but it was it was it's just cool to see how in baseball you can do that. You can say and shout out to your daughter for joining the, the yeah. Podcast. Hey, really you know, that.
1: she's, <laughs> she's got
0: to do what she's got to do, man. She's got to do what she's got to she, do. She's but,
1: opinionated, um... man. I respect it. It's
0: good to have hard again. She takes she takes the research, she takes the narrative, and she just backs it up. And that's you the know. It,
1: I, I can't. I thank God she doesn't take after me. I'm See? making a face for your listeners.
0: It's you're perfect. You're perfect. <laughs> um, but I just um, I just think it is really cool. Cool. again how how you're kind of going about it and again you know obviously got you got a little help with Jim um with yeah. you know who, how he has followers but people are clearly reading your stuff still people are still paying attention to what you do which i think is awesome and again even if it's just for fun like it's so cool yeah. that a couple hundred couple thousand whatever people they, they they read your stuff they respect it they understand it and they you make them think right that's always fun to do is like just make someone think about it a little bit
1: right well I mean you know you're, you're I appreciate that and and I think if we can just have conversations, you know, I like, I like taking and, and there's a blind between contrarian, right. And, and just, just create being conversational. We can all agree. Mike Trout's awesome. Right. So, so why, why, you know, there's a point to exacerbating that. And then there's, well, why aren't we talking about like, and I, I referenced it earlier, why aren't we talking about Nick Markakis is pretty, Interestingly, like possible path to three thousand hits, you know what? What do we do if that happens? And you know, I, I wrote a lot about tanking, you know, and I write a lot about you know uh, players that and I do. I do like player stories. I'm like Johan Santana, who like mm-hmm. you know really. I know, I know Mets fan, right? Oh, right like, to my heart,
0: the Nohan baby, the Nohan. Yeah, it's which just, wasn't really a no hitter, but like whatever. We don't. Yeah, it's no hitter
1: ish. Um, the biggest thing that you know, I I think is interesting is we look at, we look at, there's easy places to look in baseball for, for facts, right? Derek Jeter means a lot to baseball. Nobody's going to argue that. You can not like Derek Jeter and we can talk about the defensive metrics and all that, right? Uh, Fine. But there's also things in baseball that live in this gray area, you know and that's what i love about guys like johan santana i wrote a piece for baseball Almanac about brandon webb who whomever remembers brandon webb and his cy young like performances in a couple of years and then he just vanishes um you know one of the things that i really enjoy is the i enjoy the gray area you know and and that's and that's what i find most interesting about the
0: game that's that's why we love baseball man there's so much of it too that's the crazy part and every uh Every silver lining has got a touch of gray, too. So we can always enjoy that. little Grateful Dead too. why not? But yeah, uh, no, wait, man, I, I think baseball is just my favorite. You know, you bring up Johan Santana, and he means everything to Mets fans because he's the only no-hitter we ever had, which is right. so cool. But we all kind of know, like, it wasn't really a no-hitter, unfortunately. But we still take it. I mean, you know, Andres Gagarraga has a perfect game, but unfortunately, yeah, he does not. Us,
1: right? Yeah, it's like it's <laughs>
0: super crappy, but... It is what it is, and then, you know, obviously, poor. thankfully the Mets at least paid him. That's the thing, like, I'm still happy about. Like, they ruined his career, man, but at least they paid him, so I'm happy about True.
1: that. True. So. You know what? Can't argue with that. Yeah, and then, it, I mean,
0: back in the day, man, that changeup was insane. Uh, you Amazing know, I actually wins, called the especially.
1: article uh, pulling the string because it was it was the single, yeah, it, it was just, it was what made me, him and Tom Glavin, like, when I was, when I was, when I, my very, very, very brief, terrible stint in college baseball, Ball. I wanted to throw a change up just because of those two guys
0: and you know what you you had a stint in college baseball we can say that I guess right I, I, sure sure we go. I'll take you, it you, you're further you than me behind.
1: man you are further than <laughs> me I didn't even make it to varsity
0: in my high school year so uh, in my high school so you're you're doing something um why did you what what is where does the romantic part of romantic I mean obviously we both love it but like where yeah. does the come from
1: uh moneyball Oh, okay. The, the movie. It was just, it was one of those things. Cause anyone that, that actually knows me will tell you, I might be one of the least romantic people. I'm just, I'm not a, a very, I'm not typically a very emotionally driven person, but there was something about the way that that line was delivered, the way the movie, there was something about the way it was delivered. I, I thought to myself, why is there, why is there nothing out there? Like that's a, such a perfect line. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Like, why is no one taking advantage of this? So I like to think of it. I like to think of the very emotional name from a very pragmatic place of there was a market inefficiency for a website called romantic about baseball. And that's where it I came it. from.
0: <laughs> and you'll love it too. So a little bit, little, little, little here, little there. I think that's a column B.
1: Exactly.
0: A little column A, a little column B. And what, um, what's your favorite part about just the, the content creation side, the writing, the podcasting, like what, what's your favorite part? Cause you do a lot of it. So
1: there, that, my favorite part is probably that there are no, there's rules, but they are your own. You know, you only, for example, there are rules that I follow. There are rules that, I like to adhere to, you know, I don't in the podcast, I don't like to talk over guests whenever I can.
0: Sorry. Uh,
1: No, no, you're good. That's a stylistic thing. That's me listening to too much fresh air. Uh, (laughs) um, The, but uh, on like, for example, on the, um, the, you know, in the writing, there are rules, you know, that I, that I try to follow. I try to, you know, not have too many lines. I try not to have, I try to keep it around a thousand words. Like there's, but they're my own rules and it's your own accountability. And I think that's what, that's what I like about it the most is that I have to feel good about this coming out. But everyone I, likes breaking the rules, man. That's true. That's true. And I'm not saying I haven't, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I haven't like, you know, when it comes to content creation and things like that, I find that the it's, it's liberating, right? Because you know, like I said, the, the, there are no, the only rules that you really need to follow are your own, but it is also regimented because if I only, you know, I don't write enough as it is. If I wrote even less, um, then, you know, the interest dies. And so there it's, it's, um, it's fast. It's the objective and the subjective, right? There's the objective. You have to keep ears on your podcast. You have to keep eyes on your website objectively you have to put out content subjectively the quality of that content you know it's it's up to you so I think I think again for the same reason I like baseball is the same reason I like content creation
0: that's good that's like a time is a flat circle stuff right there
1: yeah we
0: (laughs) we come all the way back around sneak eating its own tail and you say you don't write enough but I have here that you have a book for pre-order so sounds like you write a lot
1: Well, well, so that was a, that was a, boy, that was a fantastically strange story. Um, Kind of in the same way, you know, uh, that uh, Jim found me that this publishing company approaches me and says, we have this concept for a a kid's book about baseball. Um, We found your stuff through this website or whatever. And um, would you like to do it? I literally asked the guy, what's the catch? Because, you know, I, it didn't seem like, feasible. Like why, who are you and why are you finding me of all places? And, uh, they said, no, we're, we're legit. Uh, you know, Callisto media, they, 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 they did all the work. They literally said, okay, here's the outline. We want you to fill the content. And so I wrote, um, what was it? 7,000 words or something like that. It was like 88 pages or what have you. And you know, that was it. You know, I, I could, I would love to say that, yes, I came up with this all on my own and this was my brilliant idea. But honestly, like I wrote, I, I wrote a book. I am an, I, I wrote the book. I am an author, but um, I owe a lot to that, to them to basically give me the uh, means to do so.
0: Why? I guess that is like a pretty, I've never heard of that. Like a, it's like a unique coming to a, a writer and being like, we have all this, we have the outline, we have all the information. Now we would yeah. just wrote it. It's like, why I, don't you guys just write it?
1: I I, I almost feel like I, I, that was what I kept asking myself the whole time. Cause, cause I, I was sitting there thinking like, why, why not? There's gotta be other people. There's got to be someone. And that's how, that's how I always view. Every time someone contacts me about this, I always think like, like, like when you contact me, when, when the publishers contact, I'm like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be, this is a slow day. Be honest with me. This is it a slow day? Because like, th- there's always gotta be something else. It's just the mindset that I constantly go with and it helps and it, you know, it helps and it hurts. Right. But, um, but ultimately, yeah. So the book is uh, for pre-order Went on pre-order yesterday. Uh, it's a kid's book ages five to seven uh, just sort of chronicles the, the history of the game from its very early goings to, you know, giving, giving kids not only something to learn about, but something to look forward to as well. You know, it talks about the stars of the future, you know, Ronald Acuna and Mike Trout and all of these players like that are coming up saying like, hey, you know, you know, get to a ball game, see this, you know, that type of thing.
0: That is pretty cool. What was that? I guess I had all these questions lined up because I'm actually in the process of writing a book as well. Um, But I guess I'm still kind of curious, like what is, what was that process like? What was the length of time And, and how, how long did you dedicate and how much effort and energy were you, again, it's your book, right? You are the author, no matter what. So uh, you obviously put your pride and your effort into, but what, like, I guess they pretty much took all like the annoying stuff out. It's all the research and all the, doing. now you just get to do the fun part, right? Well, believe it or
1: not, I did my own research, but what they, what they did was they, they provided the outline and uh, basically said like, this is what we, this is what we want to cover. You know, we don't know anything. The, the, and my editor actually said like, I don't know anything really about baseball. So I just, this is what we, we think is important. You tell us what should be covered. And uh, it took me, uh, the uh, edit the outline, you know, finalizing that took about two weeks, three weeks. The writing took about a month. I, we did about, I guess you could say we did a, a section every week, like Monday through Sunday. It was, here's the next milestone. Here's the next milestone. And so we knocked that out in, in a month. And then after that, it was just about another month or two of just editing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, this is a little long. This is, you know, it's a kid's book. So, you're talking, you know, maybe 100 words per page, you know, nothing serious. So, um, you know, it was editing. It was curtailing, like, you know, I had never written a kid's book before. So, it was, it was sort of condensing the language down in a way that a five to seven-year-old could, could understand and digest. So, that, mm-hmm. was, that was the hardest part, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Mike Trout. Yeah. Incredible. Sentence. Oh yeah. Finished. Done. We're good No go. debate
1: about it. Yeah. Mike Trout, close book. Here you yeah, go. Right? go. Go to a game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Baseball in the 2010s. Mike Trout. Yeah. See you later, everybody. Uh, no, exactly. that is fantastic, man. I think it is, uh, it is super cool. And um, I mean, I guess like with it, how are you, does it make you excited to now do something a little bit more your own, I guess?
1: Yeah, no. It, and it's, it does because once you, once you get the, once you get it going, it's like, okay, well, you know, I can, I can, I can do this. And um, see, so yeah, I've got some other stuff like, you know, that I'm working on, uh, you know, everything from, you know, projects within the podcast. I come from the music industry. So, you know, a lot of work in audio and podcasting and things like that and and, you know, writing. And so, it it does give you a, a lot of, to see it there and then, you know, to see the the finished product, you know, and to see it sort of climb the charts and all that, like, it's cool. And uh, it does give you that boost of confidence that, okay, you know, I, I can do this.
0: I think you can do it, man. I mean, shoot, you already write all the time. Why not? That is, it is super cool. You know, I mean, I think it's, it's awesome. If you put that much time and energy and effort into something, um, you could become a published author. I mean, obviously, you deserve it. It's a pretty cool thing. Not everybody writes a book. Right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: why the heck
0: not? Why shouldn't it be you? Um, so what else, I guess? Like, why Why do you keep doing this? As you said, you have your day job. You do yeah. what you need to do to make enough money for your family and, and, you know, feed your kids and, you know, that whole thing. But it's pretty easy to be like, you know, I'd rather just sit on the couch and drink a yangling tonight. Like, why do you continue to
1: do this? Because because you know it that's a great question um i feel like there is a point the game offers so much spectrum for point of view and if you if you if you tap into something i feel like i feel like i have a point of view on it and so now it's like okay i'll i'll keep doing it until i'll basically keep doing it until no one cares because this is fun like Dude, I'm, I'm not, let's see, it's September to this. So I'm not six months into my podcasting career and I've gotten to talk to people I've been reading for years, you know? And so until some until everyone just stops caring, I'm just going to keep doing it. Cause it's, cause you know, for example, like I work, I work in retail. It's my day job. I work at upper management for a, for a music, for music retailer. In, in in the Atlanta area. So when you go there, you have a, a set of goals. You have a, a, a bunch of things that you do, right? I come home. I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I, I take care of everything I need to there. Um, my wife gets up very early for work. So after she goes to bed, like this is, this is me. This is my dojo. This is, this is how I release. Everybody needs a release. And I kind of feel like this is my release uh and uh, and like i said i'll, I'll say it uh, until the cows come home until everyone stops listening and stops reading i'm just i'm going to keep doing it because i don't go read things i don't like i don't go read things that that don't impact me some way or i feel could impact me some way so until that and until that time i'm just gonna keep doing it
0: i think you'll keep doing it either way even if no one <laughs> probably
1: i've done it when people and that's the thing i've done it when people aren't listening and aren't reading so it, it, it satisfies me you mm-hmm. know what i mean it satisfies that that primal urge to be your own uh, your your own person you creativity, know what i mean man.
0: who doesn't love to be like the coolest part about creativity is the more you use it the more you get it's the only thing like that
1: yeah it's a fact you know coming in I, I, I use my experience from the music industry where you As far as back as I can remember, I've always been working on on something. I've been creating something, working on a project of some kind. And so this gives me the same sort of uh, goal, right? I'm creating a podcast. I'm creating an article. I'm creating a song. I'm creating a record. Um, It gives me the same sort of outlet, you know, a tangible product, that I can look at and say, okay, I worked on that, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that, that to me, that's probably the ultimate reason is that whether anyone listens or not, whether one reads or not, it's something tangible that I can look at and say, see this work, like, this is a thing. This is Mm -hmm. a thing that I did and that's it. Now on to the next thing.
0: Yep. Well, hopefully you keep doing this because you're pretty darn good at it. So keep doing your thing. Maybe you just add a couple things along the way. Um, I think that would be the only thing. I you
1: have add. to, you have to, because I am, I am not nearly experienced enough. I don't think anyone's nearly experienced enough to not learn something along the way or add new tools uh, along the way. And so I am, I am not, I'm not nearly as bad as I think I am. I'm not nearly as good as anyone else thinks I am.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I just kind of live in that world.
0: And there's always more, right? You can mm-hmm. always be better at social media, at least talking about myself, could always be better at social media, could be better in front of a camera. I'm trying so
1: uncomfortable writing. with the social media stuff, man. I just I suck am it. so uncomfortable with it. I I like if it's not tweet like if it's not tweeting or um, posting a something, some product, mm-hmm. like here it is, like you know, there's a podcast episode and judge for yourself. Mm-hmm. Sell the whole self-promotion thing is very, very, it can be very, it's very, it can be very awkward for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And then Hey, there you go. Something to add to the tool belt. Cause that's yes. the cool part about it is the better you get at that, the more people are paying attention to your stuff, which will make you want to keep getting better at that too. Right. Again, it's just this weird, like circle this weird hamster wheel that, you know, you keep getting better at stuff. You just keep on going. So yeah, uh, it's awesome. Man. And again, keep, keep doing what you're doing. So now let's talk a little bit about the NL East. Um, yeah you you're a Bryce fan, I'm a Mets fan. We all hate the Phillies. Uh, <laughs> Nationals won the World Series last year, which turns out I didn't hate it
1: as much yeah. as golf clap, golf yeah, clap, yeah, I'll give it
0: to him, but Bryce Harper wasn't there, and its so it's kind of like, all right, this is actually kind of funny, like I don't like him, but it's kind of funny.
1: see can I be honest with you? I actually like Bryce Harper, Wow, I like Bryce Harper. I like oh. anybody. I like anybody that brings fun to the game, like you are doing what I wanted to like what every kid in the world wants to do. I think it's fair to act like a kid once in a while. I just, I really do. I love Ronald Acuna and um, you know, even with, even, you know, with everything we know now, Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve and like all of these like guys that just embrace the fun of the game, even uh Bumgarner, who's such a stick in the mud, but he's a stick in the mud because he, you know, he, that's how he is. mm mm-hmm. Like, I just, I appreciate anybody that just, that does that.
0: I, I respect that argument. Um, and I like all those <laughs> other guys, honestly. I just think I hate Bryce Harper. I, I yeah, think that's
1: fair. You I, know, since he was I love 15,
0: that. You know, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, yada, yada, yada. Then he, he gets, the thing I think actually I hate about him the most is how much better everyone pretends he is he had one good season in the major right. league and it was an incredible season i you can't take away what a 40 something home runs he had over 300 he was incredible. You're
1: completely work. right by the way like but like i of of agree great. with all of that i agree with all of that i feel like i feel like there's a need for players like him that are just good enough to be on the radar okay that they can display their person but not so good that their game overshadows their personality I think there's a place for players like that. You want that guy who's a villain to everyone else and a savior to, oh, to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, need that. you need more of that in baseball. You need more of it. And I think Bryce Harper is that guy.
0: I am all for personalities. Literally, before we got on, I watched the uh, Trevor Bauer, that Sandlock game that he put on. I don't know if you watched that. Oh, yeah. That
1: I, I, love, awesome. I, love, I, I can't stand Trevor Bauer, uh, Trevor Bauer in a lot of ways. I, I, I love to hate Trevor Bauer. I, love to- I don't
0: hate him. I love to be like, what the hell is this guy doing? Right. <laughs> I think that's what I like the most about him. It's just like, because my girlfriend, she she knows some of the players. Obviously, the Mets are yeah. always on whenever they're on. So she kind of knows, you know, Pete Alonzo and Jacob DeGrom. You know, she knows the household names, essentially. Sure, yeah. But she was just like, who is this guy? I was like, honestly, this guy's a nut job. And he's trying to do stuff, which is kind of cool. Like, with momentum, he's trying to bring more stories for baseball players, which I'm all about. I love that, because I think oh, that's yeah. the thing that's missing from baseball, so I totally agree with you on all the guys with personalities, but dude, it's crazy.
1: They oh, keep- he's 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 nuttier than squirrel turd at a peanut factory, trust me. Sorry if but but the, you know is that a, a reference? is that a reference to something? No, I, that, I just so. made that up. Um, I like it. I use it at work a lot. Um the um i will use a guy from your team, Marcus Stroman. I I think that the guy is Fantastic. I, I like guys that embrace the fact that they have the platform. Francisco is another one. They embrace the platform they're given to advance the game to a younger crowd and just say, dude, I'm 25 years old. I make millions of dollars a year to play the game I've been playing my whole life. Are you don't, you know, are you really gonna bring me down over this? Like I, I love that chris archer another one I, I could go on all day but yeah i love personality in baseball completely i'm sorry this is this was a tangent right <laughs> it's okay that's fine
0: that, that's how a real conversation works man we start right. talking about the nles and we get to marcus stroman who's still in the nle so all works out true. we never um, really left yeah that's true actually yeah yeah we're, we're good um the the one sad thing about the conversation we just had is mike trout's name didn't come up and it's yeah out of for a reason right like i respect the hell uh, his game not even close. I don't think anyone in baseball is close to him. If he was healthy, 162 every year. It's not even... I am actually... I, I cannot fathom the numbers he would put up. But and, and I know right. Rob Manfred like, came out and he was like, well, if Mike Trout... Right, got it. it's like First off, you're a dick. But second, you're kind of yeah. right. Like, if Mike Trout wanted to be out there more, he could. That's the sad
1: well, thing. Well, he... He's not, he embodies, you know, he is the sort of modern personification of the player in the 90s, you know, players in in the 90s who were supposed to, uh, you know, I I look at guys, I grew up with guys like, you know, you could say Per Jones. You could say guys like Greg Maddox, uh, John Smoltz, who the whole idea behind their stardom was their game exceeded their personality. So just like you need, players like Stroman and Bauer and, and Harper, just as much as you need them, you need the other side of that too. You, mm-hmm. do, you need guys like Mike Trout. You need guys like Cody Bellinger to an extent. You know, these mild-mannered guys where the, the game exceeds the personality. So there's an equal need for that. It's not the most convenient thing. It's not the uh, easiest to look at but it is essential. Mm -hmm. It's essential to the game because if you're looking back at, you know, the, if you're looking for Mike Trout to be more of a Babe Ruth, or if you're looking for Mike Trout to be more of a Hank Aaron, you're going to, you're going to say, well, he's more of a Hank Aaron, you know, it's just quietly, Mm -hmm. consistently going about his business just happens to be the greatest power hitter of all time. You know, then you look at say Bryce Harper, Maybe not the best, you know, statistical comparison, but he's a generational personality mm-hmm. to the game. He's good enough to back it up, you know. But but he's a, he's a generational personality.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a that's a very well put argument. I like that a lot. The one thing I hate about Mike Trout is he plays on the West Coast though, and I don't stay up till eleven or twelve o'clock in the morning to watch him play. So I only can watch highlights, which kind of sucks.
1: Well, but you know, isn't that? Have you ever? Have you watch a lot of Mike Trout. Okay, the thing that that, that um, gets me about Mike Trout, if you watch him play, there's nothing amazing. Like, it's just, it's perfect in, in its own way. But it's almost like, it's almost too good for you to understand how good it really is. You know, it was like watching, um, sometimes I, am, I equate it to like uh, watching Andrew Jones play outfield. Mm-hmm. He was never, he wasn't always diving all over the place. He wasn't like Kevin Kiermaier where he's leaping everywhere and all that stuff. But when you look back at it, it's like, Hey, he was the best center f- defensive center fielder of all time. And the thing that always gets me about it is that he didn't look like he was, mm-hmm. but he was. It's and so- that, to me, that's Mike Trout. He, mm-hmm. he, he is so effortless. I've seen him in person twice now when they've come to Atlanta and He's so effortlessly good. I watched him steal second base standing up, and and I just I remember watching it in person, thinking like, oh, oh crap! Like Mike Trout just stole second base. Like it, it, it's so effortlessly good. Mm-hmm. You almost miss it.
0: Yep, it's he makes it look so easy that you that's even that's a yes exactly right one hundred percent. And I actually I got to see him live once. Uh, last year, last year, maybe, no, two years ago, um, when Giancarlo Stanton was traded to the Yankees, I immediately looked up the Yankees schedule, found that they had a game, home game against the Angels. Mm. So I was like, all right, we're going to go see Judge, we're going to go see Stanton, we're going to go see Trout, we're going to go see Upton, we're going to, you know, whoever's pitching is pitching, whatever. Mike Trout goes five for five with three doubles. He beat out That's a so single cool. to shortstop, just like a, not routine, but he, he beat out a single to shortstop and like crushed a two run home run. And I was just like, yeah. i this is i'm in the presence of like god at this point this is insane. Right. should be doing this and that's just what he does man and it's insane and my cousin's a huge yankees fan um, my brother and my girlfriend were, were Mets fans or at least she's an adopted Mets fan and you know we're just watching this like this is this is real not real life this is insane. Yeah. um but just to did you have one more point on mike travel no no no, no guys oh, you're, good, you're good i was gonna say just to kind of i don't know dovetail I don't know what the word is but we're gonna go into who mike trout is now to the potential next mike Trout and ronald acuna yeah he would be the next person that could do that and I, again i love his personality hate that he's on the braves hate that he crushes the mets but it is what it is um what did you think obviously this year's short it sucks you know hopefully we just get some sort of baseball and i'll be happy at any point right. but did you think he had a legitimate shot at like 40 40 45 45 at all
1: yeah absolutely
0: yeah did you think i mean I,
1: I wouldn't that? even I mean, bet on my life.
0: He obviously had a shot last year, but did you think he was going to get it?
1: Uh, I thought so. Yep. I mean, the thing, well, all right, I, I thought so. If I thought, like, for example, he was talking about 50 50 this year, like, did I think, do I think he could? Yeah. Because what, we, what we we're constantly reminded about with, say, like Juan Soto, for example, is that these guys are so young, their game is still developing. The part of Ronald Acuna's game that needs probably the most work is the thing that takes the longest to develop, which is pitch recognition, plate discipline, being able to not just, being able to curtail your game to the situation, especially as a leadoff hitter. And, you know, to to develop that part of your game takes the most work at your craft. And he just simply hasn't had enough time to do that. So I would say that we're, is he capable of it? Did I think he would do it? I, I mean, I thought he did, would just because he had the momentum. Do I think he could do it? I, I think he could be one of the four or five most complete players to ever play the game because so much of his game has already evolved to this point. And, and there's just that, that one component that you can look at his game and say, hold up, hold up. He's got to not strike out as much. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. He's got to recognize pitches better. And he's got to translate that into, you know, that'll translate into better plate discipline. And I think that, you know, he had a great, he had a great, uh, he, had a great um, he, had a, he had a presentable on base percentage. Uh, I, I could see him as a routine 300, 400, 500 hitter. With a, I mean, a 30, 30 floor. So that's floor. That's, that's yeah, I mean, I'd like. yeah, exactly. I mean, I, and so, uh, and uh, so that, that's kind of how I feel about him. I think he's a generational talent and, uh, I think there's, I, th- I don't think we've quite seen anything like him because trout, it, it, the comparisons between him and trout, I think are fair, but you've got two very divergent, um, philosophies and upbringings in the game. Okay. Ronald Acuna, like many Latin players was taught aggressiveness at the plate. He, you know, nobody walks off the Island is, is the quote, right? So you look at a guy like Mike Trout who, who came up in New Jersey, right. And, you know, is a master of plate discipline already in his craft, right? So you look at a guy with an ultra aggressive personality and maybe not as educated as an approach of an approach, maybe educate is not the right word, maybe not as mature of an approach. Mm -hmm. There you go. And um, you've got Mike Trout who maybe not as an aggressive of a, uh, of an approach, but a more studious or a more, yeah, a more mature approach at the plate. You take those, you know, you could be seeing two different products, but equally great. Mm hmm. The difference with Acuna is that the um, where Mike Trout is getting on base constantly, Ronald Acuna is bringing a, a different sort of flair to it, and we may not. And, and that is going to put more butts in the seats.
0: Mm-hmm. So, it's going to be fun. I mean, again, like as much as I dislike Ronald Acuna because he's against the Mets and crushes right. it. <laughs> him as a player it's just he is so much fun to watch too that's the thing like we as we said before like Mike Trout you're like watching you're just like all right he made that catch and then you like overlay any other center fielder and you're like wait a second like only two guys in the whole league can make that catch how did he do that like it's you know it's as you said he he makes it look so easy like Acuna makes it look like so much fun and still crushes it
1: it's kind of I equate it to Mike Trout is like watching a great classical composer It's so precision. It's so precise. It's so in order and it's so fantastic. But then you go to Ronald Acuna and it's like watching, it's like watching a great rock band. It's like there's, there's, there's little slips and there's little things that happen, but it's the imperfection. It's still, it's just as, uh, it's just as good, Mm -hmm. but just good as good for different reasons.
0: hundred percent, hundred percent, man. I love it. It's good stuff. Um, Adam, this was wonderful.
1: Yeah, I feel like great.
0: talking honestly, but I'm <laughs> sure you want, your daughter keeps saying, you know, something. I can't hear what, exactly what she's saying. But, but I'm Frozen
1: sure. Two. I, I, Disney uh, Plus put Frozen Two out early, and for for two old for being uh, sort of like uh you know um social distancing and staying home with a two-year-old uh disney is the real mvp for putting
0: i respect it, so. that i respect the heck out of that man um but no sincerely would love to have you on again especially when baseball comes back around we can just i feel like we could talk for hours man
1: anytime man what what a thrill it. thank you
0: i love it adam McKennon, host of the romantic about baseball podcast contributing writer for baseball almanac call to the pen member of the internet. Oh, I forgot to ask you about that. The internet baseball. Yeah. We'll, we'll save that one for next time. How's that? Yeah, set?
1: yeah. the sequel. The internet,
0: yeah, the internet baseball writers association and his book will be coming out. When does the book come out? So it's ready for pre-order. When does it come out?
1: Yeah, it's ready for pre-order now. It, it, the official on sale date as of this moment is April 28th.
0: April 28th. Baseball for Kids, a young fan's guide to the history of the game. Buy it for your kids, your nieces, your nephews, your uncles, your cousins, your brothers, whomever, because I'm sure they'll all love it. Adam, sincerely appreciate your time tonight, man.
1: Happy happy to do it. Thank you so much sir.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed the, the uh, just the talk Adam and I had, just general about baseball. It was a lot of fun. As you heard, we went off on a couple different tangents, but that's how conversations work. So it was very enjoyable, and I'm glad I got the opportunity to hang out with Adam on this one. Make sure to go follow him on his writing, on his internet. Um, the uh, the the socials and everything are down there, so make sure to give him a follow. If you could, please give us a review on whatever site you use to get your podcast, so that way more and more people can hear what we're doing, and maybe one day I can get paid to do this. Time's the only thing we don't get more of, so I really appreciate you giving me some of yours, and I hope you make it a wonderful day.